and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. I just managed to find the proper button so you could hear me talking. Uh, this is Matt speaking. I am the host. With me this week are my fantastic co-hosts, Liz Harper and Joe Perez. You guys, um, I'm sure you can come up with something you'd like to say to say hello to our friends. Hello. Hi. I am not a meat popsicle. That we know of. That's not winter yet. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it was nice up here. I know it's still hot down there. Oh, I mean, we, we actually hit the fall weather where it's like 70 and I'm like super yeah. excited. It's great. Yeah, it's been much nicer here. It was like, it was getting up to like 38 degrees Celsius, which is like, I think close to like 95, 96 uh, over the weekend, but it's, it's come down since. So yeah, we're, we're happy here too. I assume it's still terrible in Texas, Liz. Um, it's, it's cooling down. I mean, we're in the nineties. It's not like out in California yeah, where they're in the like one tens, which is insane. Yeah. Yeah. Sacramento is one thirteen, I think. And I was like, Oh my God, I don't even want to think about that. Yeah, that is, I mean, we do get that hot down here in Texas, but we are not that we're into the cooling down phase. So it's only, you know, 90 something today. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, this has been us contractually obligated to talk about the weather because we're called Blizzard Watch and, you know, <laughs> very rarely talk about Blizzard. Uh, anyway, there's some stuff going on in the world. I think the first thing we'll talk about is there was a, there hasn't been a, a there not, there's no announcement for when the next beta patch is coming. As far as I'm aware, we, we don't no. know when the, the next major, major beta patch is coming. We're pretty sure it's not today, though. So yeah. it's not going to come out like right after we've started the show. So I think we're safe talking about the beta. Now that you said it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm going to try my luck. I'm going to try. I maintain that for years, there's been somebody waiting for for Rossi, myself and whoever else is on the show to mention it. And they have a finger on a button. As soon as they mention, we're not getting a patch button. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Well, hey, yeah, no, I wouldn't it, be surprised. I, I you know. if that causes us to get an awesome new patch, though. Hey, I'm I'm there for it. <laughs> but we do know that there are a few things that they are going to be changing. Um, one of them is just a straight up, uh, really nice fix for accessibility. They're putting in an option to turn off all the screen blur when you're dragon riding. Uh, if you've been on the beta oh, at all, thank goodness. Yeah. If you've been on the beta at all, you know that the dragon riding can be extremely, extremely busy on the screen. There's it lots can, of motion lines. and it's Yeah, just, it can trigger motion sickness pretty bad. Yeah, It's not. It, I've actually had to stop doing it because it was giving me like migraine headaches. Um, which which is terrible because it's super fun. It's a fun thing to do, but it's like, ah, my head. Don't stop. It also it also happens when I'm using uh, the flight mode for the Drakthir. I'm hoping that they, they put it in there as well. Yeah, because it's a similar it's a similar effect, yeah. Yeah. Right now, uh I know that they're they are going to be putting in a change to make that accessibility option. You can just turn that off, which is kudos, aces. One of the things I've loved about the uh Dragonflight Alpha slash beta has been its focus on accessibility and bringing all the accessibility options together uh so you can actually know where they are. So, you know, that's that's a good change there. They're also going to be Clarifying the tooltips for the dragons that you use in dragon riding so that they, they accurately reflect the amount, the, the actual speed that the mount goes. Uh, rather than right now, I forget if they are like too low or too high right now, but the, the tooltips are off. They, they don't give accurate information. And finally, they're buffing, uh, what's it called? Like Surge? Strong Surge? Um, you linked this to us earlier. Yeah, I, I, I linked it to you. I read it myself and yeah, I can never remember. Yeah. But 
they are they're buffing the the major speed boat boost for the dragon flying by surge forward. So surge when forward. When you went to do a zoomy and you press yeah. the zoomy button, <laughs> so, accepted. Yeah, now it's word word replacement zoomies. That's that's its name forever. If you happen to listen to the pre-show, you know we were just talking about names that replace the real names, and then you never learn the real names. Yes. So, but the zoomies is getting a twenty percent buff. <laughs> My cat can attest to this. His his zoomies are have been twenty percent buffed. Um, yeah. So I think you know, it's generally speaking, nice little changes, uh, but you know, nothing major. Uh, I think we have all the classes now. They they put in demon hunters, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So all I the classes they... that are in, they've been making adjustments. I think they they just did uh the paladins uh battle res is there now, right? I think we have a question about that, so I don't feel too bad bringing it up now. Uh, yes, I believe it was added in the last patch. Uh, I haven't really played around with it. I'm, you know, I'm. I don't really care, frankly. Thing, just, it doesn't doesn't feel important to me. Here's the thing, though. For, as somebody who raided a lot in vanilla, I mm-hmm. remember there was always one unfortunate paladin that they made go stand as far away from the group as or, possible. Or one druid, yeah. Yeah, so they wouldn't go into combat. And they almost always chose a paladin because the paladin could, could start rezzing, and if... You know, if things went really bad and something came over, Bubble. he could then DI one of the healers that he already rezzed. Yeah. So that was usually why we went with a paladin in my guild. I'm not saying that other guilds yeah. didn't use druids. Um, but regardless, I that's why I, it's kind of a nostalgic thing for me to see them giving a battle res to pallies because the original battle resers were pallies in, in my guilds. But also, regardless, you know, it's not it's not a huge thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a big thing for um, Mythic Plus viability, right? Like, or for for five man content, because one of the things that gets uh, that is a deciding factor for those that content, if you're pugging, is especially as a healer, and I have been painfully aware of it. This expansion uh, is whether or not you have access to a battle res, because if mm-hmm. or if the group has one in general, because you always want at least one. Um, and that changes things rather drastically. So having that as an option you can pick, I think is actually pretty good. I think. See, I, I feel like in my personal situation, it's like I am in a guild with so many druids. There are just so many druids that the likelihood of me ever being in a group without like five druids in it would be really, really low. I mean, I'm sure even if I ran mythic pluses all the time, I would probably be in a group with five druids. That's just how it would work out. I don't know how it would happen, but it would happen. We You're have right. So we many do druids. have five druids that are regularly there. <laughs> Jesus. I just went through the names in my head. Good Lord. Yeah. That for, for my vanilla guild, that was the case as well. Druids and warlocks, but it's always, I don't think I've been in a guild since throughout the, all the many years up till uh, Shadowlands. I don't think I've been in a guild that didn't have at least five druids. Yeah. Druids are everywhere. Anyway, I mean, it's, it's generally good to spread abilities around. So it's not just one class yeah. that has this one thing. Yeah, and you can really go. Here's yeah. the thing. Here's why it should have been warriors. Because okay. it would be hilarious if warriors had a battle res. <laughs> that just would a, just consist of them yelling at you. Yeah, I was going to say, they just, they just yell at you to wake up. Get up, yeah. you lazy gold brick. Like, ah, I'm up. I'm up. What? It could literally be like, it could be like the Hulk at the end of Avengers. What? Oh. Oh, I was dead. Oh, man, you're loud. It just amuses me. It's just like I was, was always amused by the jokes about a healing spec for warriors because it's like it would all just consist of various swear words. You see also the blood goes back inside. It's fine. Get back <laughs> in there, blood. 
while I'm escaping from his wound. Get out of that body. Okay. I mean, it worked for Deathwing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Didn't he actually have to nail himself closed? Well, I mean, I was talking about the encounter where we fought his blood by yelling at it. Yeah, but it didn't go back into him. He- Although I did, I did love that fight. Uh, if you never saw that fight, guys, man, that fight. For a prot warrior using cataclysm talents, that fight was a dream. It was a dream of just running, heroic leaping, thunderclapping, and spreading bleeds everywhere, and then having a. There's always going to be a priest on that thing who would then, you know, life grip you away when you were out of abilities to get away from them. It was. It was one time we. The best time though was when we had a, a death knight who would like do that big grip thing they did. Gorfine's grasp, I think. Mm-hmm. Did they have that in Cataclysm, or am I hallucinating? I think they did. Oh, uh, they did. I just. I just remember like it being a lot of fun. Anyway. Uh, so that's right now. I don't think there's anything else major to talk about with the Dragonflight beta, other than it is a beta. Uh, sh- we should mention because someone else mentioned it. We we should mention that you can actually copy your live characters to the beta now. Yes, which is pretty cool because then you get to actually see it on your character. I literally uh, just moved mine over. Like yeah, I th- was able to log in for like five minutes. I was like, ooh, button push. Yeah. <laughs> So that if it's really pretty simple, it's just a button right there that you know asks you if you want to import your character. You pick the uh, server and then you pick the character, and you're done. Uh, it's not it's not very complicated. So if you're on the if you're on the beta now or you get on in the future, yeah, it won't be very hard to do. But that's about it. I don't really think of anything else really new from the last week on Dragonflight beta. No, just continued uh, continued ter- uh, class tunings, which we're probably going to see pick up pace now that we're moving into. Uh, September. Well, yeah, September, yeah. So we don't got a whole lot of time out. left. Yeah, but this reminds me of something that Liz mentioned in an email because I always forget something, and even when I try <laughs> hard not to forget something, like I'm like, I will not forget Hearthstone. I will not. I'll, I'll put in this, this story that's only tangentially new, and then Liz is like, "But you forgot this about Wrath," and I'm like, "I can't remember things." Ah, but regardless, this is a good thing to point out. Uh, right now, we're in the pre-patch for Wrath of the Lich King Classic. If you've got a character on, on classic servers, if they're on the the BC servers, those servers have now converted to the pre-patch for, for Wrath of Lich King. And they're doing the zombie outbreak. Uh, I believe that started? Yeah, started today. But um, from what you mentioned, Liz, actually, you want to tell people? Because you, you sent the email, so you know you can tell people this. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because back in the day of Wrath, I have... I played during Wrath, and I have zero recollection of this event. I assume it actually happened because everything mm-hmm. tells me that it happened, but I have no memory of this happening. Um, basically, boxes of poisoned grain are showing up in various places around Azeroth. And if you get too close to them, I don't know if you have to click them or something, uh, you will become infected and you will become a zombie. And, uh, yeah, good times being a zombie. There are, I believe, Argent Dawn healers located at various places who can cure you of your zombie affliction so we don't have to go and burn Stormwind down or hopefully burn anything down. Like, uh, you know, that whole Arthas thing, you know, why we don't have a Stratholm anymore. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. I always like pre-expansion events because it's like we've been playing for a while we're kind of tired we're kind of bored uh now we have something interesting to do if Um, it's anything like it was in live uh right now those priests can do that but they will not be able to 
ah. in the future. Yeah. It's going to get the, the time period of them doing that is going to get shorter and shorter and then it will just not work. And also the zombies will be able to be faster and faster about infecting other players and <laughs> the grain will be more and more infectious as well. And soon if you're in a city, forget it. Yeah. When, I yeah. remember the, I remember previously when that event was a thing that like, you couldn't go to any of the major cities like uh, on the lion side. If you were in iron forge, it was pretty much guaranteed that you were just going to get griefed by zombies. Like there was nothing you could do because that was like the main hub because of where all the raids were located. Um, but like, so like you wound up going to Darnassus to uh, avoid the zombies because you could safely use the auction house there, just not anywhere else. <laughs> Like it was, it was a yeah, weird time. Yeah, because there was nobody in Darnassus, yep. so you could get away with it. Yeah. Yep. See, I think, I think I mentally confused this with the Blood Plague, which was actually kind of similar, but without healers, and it was totally unintentional on Blizzard's part. The, yeah, the, I'm pretty sure that this was actually in the when they yeah, did this. They yeah, did this it is inspired by the. Blood yeah, plague. no, they they 100. They actually said that when they did it the first time. Yeah, and I mean, this is. It's also, you know, a repeat of Stratholm. We're split it, spreading the plague of undeath with corrupted grain that obviously everyone is going to have to go up and touch because it glows green and anything that glows green in a video game is good for you, right? I mean, listen, I've played Zelda games. Green means health. <laughs> I mean, healthy zombies. I mean, we didn't say what kind of health. <laughs> yeah, the care and feeding of your zombie brains, your brains. Pretty sure, everybody. pretty sure Peter Jackson made a movie about that once. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty grim way to think about it, but you're right. Lord of the Rings was pretty much zombie. <laughs> I kid. I kid I, because I say, Rings of joke. Power is out and it's big. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, have you seen Rings of Power? And I'm like, no, I haven't seen Rings of Power. I'm sorry. I, I haven't. Uh, I don't, I don't really, I don't watch a lot of the stuff that's like, you know, Ooh, this is the new big event thing. I'm usually like, eh, I know one I'll thing. I know I'll one thing on this eventually. list that you're probably going to watch though. Uh, does it have dinosaurs in it? And I was gonna say the uh, the Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven anime. Oh yeah, I'll watch that. If it had <laughs> dinosaurs in it, then it would be a it would be a slam dunk. There'd be no way I'd miss it. Come to think of it, if they had dinosaurs in this game, that would be awesome. We'd definitely have to. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, no, there's lots of stuff that I would like to watch, but I just there's not enough time. Like I barely managed to catch Strange New Worlds because I could catch it all when it all came out. I just sat down and watched like it was like like Saturday night. I just watched like every episode until it was done. Um, but with a lot of other shows, it's very hard and there's just no way I'm going to watch the boys. That's not going to happen. That is not a show that interests me. Sorry if you're a boys fan. I don't like Not one of you talks. Well, no, you're in charge. (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. Well, we can also talk about the blizzard games being added to game pass thing, which I think is pretty self-explanatory, but they confirmed it. So, you know, when the Microsoft blizzard, merger goes through i guess we're calling it a merger it's basically microsoft buying activin but when this is all said and done the various games will be going on game pass so it, that's one of the reasons microsoft buys game companies is so they can put their games on game pass uh joe you've talked before about like why game pass is such a big deal please do that again absolutely uh game pass is such a big deal one because of its wide availability it's available on a number of devices not just your pc not just your xbox uh, but they have ways for you to play it on your mobile devices. Um, if you have uh, different streaming uh, devices or handheld units, there are ways to play it on there as well. 
not so much on the Steam Deck unless you want to start doing some hacking, uh, but things like the Aya Neo and some other uh, handheld devices that are that are coming out uh, allow you to do it, as well as your phone or your tablet has access to it, uh, which makes the availability of console-level or PC-level games very, very broad. One of the things that you just wrote an article about it, I tweeted about it, but like games that we've talked about and, and we love, like uh, Immortals Phoenix Rising, are on there like big name titles that you know you don't have to buy for 60 70 bucks a pop but instead you pay your monthly fee and you get them uh also the plethora of indie games that are available on it uh or smaller titles in general is just absolutely phenomenal like uh, games like infernax which is a over-the-top love letter to uh metroidvanias uh or you know games like tunic or death's door uh or you know, Minecraft is available on there as well. Um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the Shredder's Revenge that just came out is available there as well. It's a big deal just because of the number of studios that they have access to and the amount of games that they put on it. Adding Blizzard to this is just another feather in the cap of why Game Pass is absolutely phenomenal for gamers, right? Like it's, you have access to so much as a result of it and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. Yeah, and it's one of the situations where you can... It's essentially kind of like a try it. And if you really like it, you can buy it to support the company sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't even have played Dead Cells if not for Game Pass. And I think it's a really good game. Um, Tunic, you mentioned. That's another really And uh, I mean, Liz, you've talked about it, too. Like, you know, I know that you use Game Pass to figure out if you like a game or not, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just love Game Pass because I can check out a game that I may never have played otherwise. That I might have just never picked up. And I can just, okay, I'm download this, I'm going to play it, and oh, I hate it, and then I'm going to delete it and never play it again. Or, oh, I love it, and I never knew I would love a game like this. Like, maybe I will try Immortals Phoenix Rising, which I know both of y'all have talked about as, like, a great game. And I just, I mean, I've seen it, and it just never grabbed me. But now I have Game Pass, and it's on Game Pass, so I should at least download it and try it, because there's, like, no cost of entry there. Yeah, and uh, honestly, when we're talking about Phoenix Rising, I, this is a bit of a you know swerve, but that <laughs> game really—you you start the game for me really grabbed me when I heard the opening narration, which is between the the, the voice actors for Prometheus and Zeus, mm-hmm. and it's game of the you know Breath of the Wild is an amazing game. Um, I watched my wife play it a lot. Uh, it's got a lot going for it—the art style, the world, all that—but it kind of lacks personality in the first few moments. Yeah, it's sort of like generic open world. You're thrown into it, and it doesn't really have. Yeah, yeah, it's coasting on the fact that it's a that it's a Zelda game, and people all know what Zelda games are, and that's fine. But Phoenix Rising doesn't have that, so it instead leads with what I think is one of the funnier opening narration bits between these two characters. Yeah, and that's Uh, uh, Zeus being played by Daniel uh, Matmore, and then Prometheus uh, being played by Elias uh, Tufesis. Yeah, I can't pronounce his last name. I apologize, but like they they just phenomenal jobs. Yeah, it's really good. And then the the game itself plays a lot like Breath of the Wild meets Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I loved Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Everybody else loved Breath of the Wild. I, I liked it because it plays like Breath of the Wild without the weapon breaking, which drives me crazy. I hate the weapon breaking. So if you don't like the weapon breaking, but you liked everything else about Breath of the Wild, give this game a shot. But all um, I have to say now that to bring it back to the, the Blizzard and Game Pass and Activision and that, that whole stuff, 
you can now try games that you might not have tried before that you might have had to pay for. Now, Blizzard has made a lot of games uh, that they've had available free to play, but it also means like you actually wrote about this, I believe, where the possibility of Diablo four becoming a day one title. Cause that's, that's the other thing that game pass does, right? Like, yeah, it, absolutely. They it, do that. Yep. These huge games, these huge triple a titles become day one available on game pass where, and you know, it's a, it's a good deal for the company because they get a game with that kind of marquee. It's a good deal for the people who make the game because people, I'm sure you know this, but making games is expensive. Mm-hmm. Oh and yeah. Game pass Basically, Microsoft comes and goes, I have this this uh, thing of money. It, it's called Glogthor, the money mountain. I'd like to pour it on you just just to just dump this money on you so that, you know, you you will then allow me to put my your game on my Game Pass day one. And they look outside and there's this gigantic monster of money going, mm, a liquid cash. And they're like, yeah, okay, sure. Put that in the, yeah. Um, Wow. That is a lot of money. And. And to put this in perspective too, right? Like, and just to kind of throw it out there, right? Uh, January of this year, there was over 25 million subscribers to Game Pass paying $16 US equivalent a month. That's gone up since then. They haven't released uh, numbers lately because they only do it like uh, in the January cycles. No, they don't even do, they don't even do quarters. They do it annually. Okay. Um, so we won't find out what the, the numbers were until January of 2023, but that's not an insignificant number of people. No, you multiply 25 million times 16, you know, and now, you know, it's at least $300 million annually, you know? So, yeah. And that and was almost, it's, it's not just the money aspect of it. It's also the fact that you, you have eyeballs going to your service that, and that right there, that's the big thing, right? Cause Liz talks about games that she would never try like otherwise. Right. But having access to it, having it in your face, when you open up that application uh, to play another game or to see what's new this month, that's huge because how many people would try that little indie game that would not even have known it would exist or the fact that it helps take care of some of the marketing costs because that's the other thing, like making games is to your point is very expensive. Marketing them is also incredibly expensive. You have to pay mm-hmm. the, the Google feed to get your out, to get it pushed on the, the advertisements and the algorithms. You have to pay the, the TV fees or the, the sponsorship spots. How much are you going to pay for that Super Bowl ad to have your game highlighted versus these little indie games now can have their stuff just thrown up on game pass and have it cycle through the little carafe at the top mm-hmm. or the carousel. And then how many people click on a game that they wouldn't have otherwise because of it? Well, it's like you, you mentioned like games like, you know, tunic mm-hmm. tunic is not a game you would have heard of without something like game pass or, just, or no offense to it, but it's mm-hmm. a small game. And a lot of people wrote it off as just a Zelda clone and it's so much yeah. more. Oh, it's not even remotely like Zelda. Um, I mean, unless you're talking about original Zelda, that's what it kind of yeah. has an inspiration from that, but it doesn't feel like it. Uh, it. It is very distinctive. I mean, the very fact that this game does not, translate its menus mm-hmm. the menus are in a strange glyph language that you only learn as you learn stuff in the game it, it is very interesting um but yeah i think that having game pass blizzard being on game pass is only going to be good for both of those things and uh-huh. i think at this point game pass is pretty good for gamers i i think even the playstation one it's getting better is well but it's good for playstation owners to have anything even remotely like it agreed um and i think you know sony has been realizing we we have a good backlog here uh, say what you want about the relative merits of each console 
Um, but Sony has five PlayStations worth of backlog that they could bring in and that they are slowly bringing in. Plus all the games that they made for other systems before they had a PlayStation that they still have mm-hmm. access to yep. or have the rights to that they could then up yeah, convert. Remember the bouncer? Uh-huh. Uh, have you played the bouncer lately? Nope. I would like to play the bouncer again. Put, put the <laughs> bouncer on your, your, your Sony store. You know, I there just there is a lot of value to these kind of services. I'm actually really interested to seeing what comes out of Blizzard's being on it. Like you mentioned, is Diablo Four going to be a day one? It almost certainly well, would be. I would think. Liz, Liz was going to say something. Go, Liz. One of one of the things specifically in the announcement about this, they specifically mentioned Overwatch, which is interesting because Overwatch Two is going to be free to play. So. Yes, it's on Game Pass because anyone can download it for free anywhere. So yeah, that that one, that one kind of puzzles me, but it also mentions Diablo specifically and Call of Duty. Those are the only well, games mentioned by name. I, I actually might be able to shed some light on that because there's some other games okay. that that do this. That like, um, are you guys familiar with the game Smite? Yeah, I know about Smite. It's basically yeah. a wall clone. I've heard the name. Well, it's not not a law clone because it's all in third person and actually down. It's it's it is a MOBA though, um, but it's a free to play game and you can download it. You can go to the site. You can you can download it. You never have to touch anything with Game Pass at all. However, it's available on Game Pass, and when you get it through Game Pass, they give you access to whatever. They, there's like a special tier of um, Battle Pass for having Game Pass. Oh, interesting. So you get content in game. Because you have Game Pass. So if mm-hmm. Blizzard were to do something similar like that with Overwatch, which we know will have a Battle Pass system, uh, although they haven't still haven't said much about it at all, which makes sense. But I wouldn't be surprised if it gives you something. It's kind of like how Prime Gaming uh, gives you, like, here's three loot boxes for Overwatch. Here's uh, three packs for Hearthstone. Here's uh, cosmetic upgrades like the uh, the cosmetic helmets from World of Warcraft. They've been letting them become uh, bonuses in Prime Gaming one every month. So it's the Fire one, the Blood one, and the, the Frost one. Uh, they're on the Frost one right now, I think, I want to say. but like, Yeah, I think so. But having it associated with that, they can make other things available to incentivize you using it through that system or to encourage you to try it if you normally wouldn't have. And doesn't like Riot do that with like, League of Legends? Riot does that with League of Legends as well with Prime Gaming right now. Um, and some of the other stuff, like they have, they have different things and events. Like if you, depending on how you go into it, you can have access to extra things for the event based on how you play the game or what your account's associated with. So I think that's what they're going to do. And I think that makes it a very interesting prospect, especially for those games that are free to play. It's if you do it through this, maybe you get a little something extra or it incentivizes players like you to your points, both your points that maybe wouldn't have tried it otherwise. Like overwatch might be free to play, but there's a whole slew of people that maybe would never have touched it, but because they get something extra or they get something specific or a little bit of a bonus to that free to play game that they don't have to put money into because they're already paying money for game pass. They might try it. So it encourages broadening of your player base potentially. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But regardless, that is something that is happening. And I'm not, again, I don't think we're anyone's like super surprised by this. Hmm. But, you know, it's still cool. Uh, And now that we've talked about that kind of stuff, um, Liz, you basically don't think the Rendell thing in Hearthstone is worth talking about, or would you want to talk about it really fast? I mean, 
I think it's a brief mention. It happened a couple weeks ago. They added uh, Rindle to the battle. Actually, it happened last week. I Time. Time. It's really weird. Um, They added Rindle to Battlegrounds, and we wrote a news post about it. Basically, because I personally think it's really funny, Rindle's weird journey <laughs> through World of Warcraft. See, we and, talked about uh, something on the on Lore Watch this week that kind of ties into this. Yeah. Remember Zappy Boy? Yes. Who was just kind of a, a troll extra in a cinematic, and he became the phenomenon that everybody was talking about all through Battle Who, for Azeroth. Whose real name is Zakan and goes back to the thing we talked about in the pre-show, just saying. Yeah, Zakan, <laughs> who got renamed Zappy Boy by the community, and that's what everybody calls him. Uh, but he, he went from guy who was just there in one scene to guy who gets his own book to be a hero in. And he shows up in like another cinematic where he just gets to have a heart to heart with Sarfang. And it's like, why is this guy suddenly like the, why isn't he on the box art at this point? And I think that's very similar to what you're talking about with Rendell here. Let me, let me kind of derail this a little more. It's like, it's like how your D and D group will always like adopt some weird (laughs) character. Oh my God. Like, like like how our D and D group has adopted (laughs) a village of pirate kobolds who live in our basement. Um, But I think all gamers, you kind of latch on to like interesting characters and then they sometimes become a thing. And Rindle has had this like journey where first he's just, a dude you meet in Rivendreth, and then he's like hanging out in Castle Nathria to repair your gear, and, and then the suddenly, and then suddenly from all the gear repairing he's doing, he's in Castle Nathria with a pile of gold behind him, and then he appears in Corthia wearing the ruby sunglasses, which are like one of the most expensive cosmetics, hard to get cosmetics items in the game. And it's just it's just funny to see him make this transition. Now you've changed, in- Rendell. You let it go. <laughs> now he's in Hearthstone, shown with his ruby sunglasses and his pile of gold on a card in Battlegrounds. And uh, what he does at the end of his turn is he t- steals the highest cost minion out of the tavern and puts it in your hand. Uh, so you know you're continuing this journey with Rendell having you know high class taste. And it just, it amuses the heck out of me. It's not exactly like breaking news or anything. I think it's funny. Yeah, I honestly, I agree agree because it's the kind of thing that makes World of Warcraft what it is. Like to a certain degree, think about everyone's reaction to Mr. Bigglesworth all those years ago. Or, you know, the the in-jokes that grow out of things. Like, do you remember that? This is one I know Liz was here for. Joe wasn't playing with us, but I mentioned it, I think, on the the, the other podcast. Remember Corfax chasing us around? (laughs) <laughs> and he wouldn't yes. stop and he just kept like when we'd get up after he killed us he'd run right back out to kill us again even though he was all the way back over there the second one of us came up he'd just be charging i think i had in order for everybody else to get up i had to get on a horse and ride away from him to keep him chasing <laughs> after me so everybody else could rest and that's how sorfang even became anything sorfang was basically just there in vanilla and he became a thing because players would mind control him and have him attack horde people inside Orgrimmar. <laughs> and then when he'd get out of mind control, they'd have to get it back really fast or he'd run out and kill them. And he just had that cleave that hit everybody. So yeah, I, I, I feel like that's something that I really like about WoW and Warcraft in general is these characters who just, like they see, they, they just come out of nowhere. And, and Rendell has been one of those characters. So yeah. Well, and like um, Mr. Bigglesworth, who is of course 
uh, Kael'thuzad's cat is also in Hearthstone of course. as a battle as a battlegrounds hero, and there is on one of his alternate skins. There's a description for each skin, and it mentions he was a rescue cat, and I think that's that's really great. We have like this horrible lich who went to an animal shelter and was like, "This cat must be mine. I love this cat. It is mine." It just, it cracks me up, these little things. And of course, Hearthstone is not canonical Warcraft lore, but sometimes it's really fun. I accept it. But <laughs> we have now talked about everything that we have on this thing to talk about, except for one thing that we have on this thing to talk about, uh, and that's Raid Shadow Legends. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say Raycon. Anyway. <laughs> oh, Raycon. Yeah, okay, that's good too. Uh, basically, um, I, I they did their big... CD Projekt Red did their big cyberpunk, you know, stream reveal thing today. Uh, one of the things they talked about, of course, was the um, cyberpunk Edge Runners cartoon that they got it coming out. Or as Joe just reminded us all, the thing Matthew will be watching on Netflix when as soon as it drops. Um, but in in kind of conjunction with that, they did two other things. One of them was that they they revealed, oh hey, patch one point six is dropping today, by the way, and everyone was like, oh. We didn't know there was going to be a patch 1.6. Like, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's going to have some some bug fixes and some new guns. Oh, yeah, that's kind of nice. And it's going to have uh, some some cosmetic items from the show Edge Runners. Oh, well, that's kind of interesting. And it's going to have Transmog, aka the wardrobe system. And then we're like, what? But we've wanted that for. And you can now go to a cyber, you know, go to a, a, a Ripper dock, and they'll change all your facial features. You can completely recustomize your character. Say what? What? Oh, and yeah, we're going to also have cross-progression, so if you're playing the game on a console, your last save game, you can go and get it on your PC, and vice versa. And everyone was like, what? And they're like, oh yeah, and then we have this thing to show you. And they cut to a, a quick trailer for the new, the next uh, expansion for Cyberpunk 2077, uh, Phantom Liberty. Mm -hmm. And we don't know exactly what it's going to be, but we know it, it's got the, the voice of V coming back. Um, both both V's are going to be in it, and? female or female, and Johnny Silverhand. Yeah, and they cut to Keanu Reeves himself saying, "That's right, I'm back. Not only be back for the new thing, I'm really excited." And, and there's like uh, you're being deputized by the uh, the the current new U.S. United government, States, yeah. yeah, the new United States of America. They they get you to do something for them, and you actually swear which, an oath. Which begs the question: Are we going to get because? I don't know. There's only one of the endings that kind of like makes that a possibility. Mm -hmm. So that makes that one, the canonical ending question mark, or is or this, this taking, is, taking place yeah. before the ending in the interim? Cause there is that gap, right? Yeah. The, who knows? Uh, I honestly don't know. Technically speaking though, there are two endings that make that possible. Uh, yeah, no, you're right. You are correct. Yes, there are two. Sorry. Um, because you could do the one where you get out of town or you could do the one where you end up getting really out of town vertically. Well, the uh, one the one that you get out of town is with Johnny taking over your body. No, uh, that's the nomads I was talking about. Ah, okay. If you do the nomad one, uh, V leaves town. If you do Johnny one, Johnny in V leaves town. Mm -hmm. And if you do the I'm the king of Night City's under underground, you go to space. Uh, well, there's also the other ones where you go to space uh, in the corporate. Uh, yeah, bio yes, suite, also, yeah, right? Yeah, there's that one too. So, and of course, there's the one ending where you just kind of don't live. Um, but that one we won't talk about. But regardless, yeah, th 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 this could be if it's after it could set the endings as canonical. It could say, okay, it has to at least be an ending where V is still around and still, you know, in control of their own body. 
Um, or it could be taking place before that ending, and it's just uh, it's just an expanded content chapter, like pretty similar to how, as one example, uh, Skyrim or Fallout or Bioshock, uh, Fallout Four, yeah, or Bioshock. Um, various games have done expansions like that, where the events are all part of they're all during the period of the main story of the game. Um, Fallout Four, in particular, did a lot of that. Uh, so yeah. New Vegas, actually, New Vegas, I think all of their stuff was during the uh, yep the main game. Yep. So. It certainly is one way they could do this. I'm I'm referencing Bethesda games because I cannot get this feeling in my head like like Cyberpunk 2077 is just the best Bethesda game Bethesda didn't make. It, it feels so <laughs> much like Skyrim sometimes. It's like yeah okay, um, or it you know it's definitely got the glitches from Fallout. So yeah, but regardless, I mean we've been waiting to hear about an expansion for this game for a while. Because it came out in 2020. This December of 2020 is when this game came out. The game didn't get fixed to the point where it was really running well until more than a year later. Like, I think it's patch 1.4 and 1.5 are the ones that really made Cyberpunk what I call a legitimately good game. Um, and I do think it is not one now. Uh, I'm very I'm very fond of it. But I was fond of it from the moment I started playing it. Because uh, it did have a lot going for it. But there was a lot of glitches, a lot of bugs, a lot of problems. But with this patch bringing in stuff that the only thing that they haven't given players that they've been saying up and down that they want is there's no new game plus yet. And I don't know if there's going to be one, quite frankly. I don't know uh, that it needs one. Yeah, I, that's fair. Because it doesn't have a limitless thing. Like you get to level 50 and you're done. You know, there's not, it's not like Assassin's Creed Odyssey where there was like this top level was level 99 and then there was like a, a Paragon-esque system that just keep giving you points indefinitely. Uh, you get to level 50, you are done leveling your character. But Night City is so big that I don't think it really matters. I, I, if anything, I would say the reason that the Cyberpunk has many launch problems as it did is because it is hard to realize just how ambitious this game was. Yeah. Because Night City is just so huge. Night City is one of the biggest game worlds I've ever been in. Um, just in sheer terms of, of content for it. That has nothing to do with the story. It's just their content. There's so much of it. And so much of it is there's stuff that you will not find out about unless you just happen to go exploring and, and then you find it. Uh, I'm still finding like items and, and, you know, quest areas and stuff. And I've been playing this game since December of 2020. And there's still things I'm finding. So, yeah, I think it's cool that they're getting the patch. I think it's cool that they're getting the expansion, although we don't know much about the expansion. I'm glad that, you know, they got everybody to come back and do it. Um, I am curious about what's going to happen once this expansion drops because CD Projekt Red basically they've put themselves in a position where the next game they launch has to have a flawless launch. Like I don't see how they cannot afford to do what Bioware did. They they cannot afford to put out a game that is not as successful as they want, like um, Ma like Mass Effect Andromeda, and then put out a game that is utterly unsuccessful, like Anthem. Anthem was just not a good move. Although it did make money, but it didn't it didn't do what they wanted it to do in terms of recurring sales, which is why it's not currently being supported in any way. It wasn't like a blockbuster success yeah. that they which, wanted it to be. Yeah. And that's people forget that when Dragon Age Inquisition was coming out until it came out, people were like thinking Dragon Age was going to be the game that, that sunk Bioware because it was the development process on it was so fraught with peril and everybody had been waiting for it for so long. And they're like, can this game possibly live up to it? And they, they did. And some people have even said that it's probably the worst thing that ever happened to Bioware is that 
Dragon Age Inquisitions was successful because then the Andromeda, they were basically forced to let somebody else make Andromeda and those people made Andromeda based off of Dragon Age Inquisition. And if you've played Andromeda, that's a fair statement. Like it feels a lot like Dragon Age Inquisition. But yeah, I I think that generally speaking, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with uh, CD Projekt Red next. They know they're working on both a new Witcher game and supposedly a new Cyberpunk. I don't know. Uh, either of you guys have anything else on that one before we move on? Like, Joe, I know you said a lot of it, so... Sorry, Liz was talking. I, I'm glad Cyberpunk did well enough to get a sequel. I have not really dug into the game, but I like those sci-fi worlds like it, and I, like, need to sit down and, like, really play through it. Um, I mean, like Andromeda. I liked Andromeda. It wasn't as awesome, in my opinion, as previous Mass Effect games. But it did so poorly that we never got a sequel or a DLC. They didn't even release the DLC. Yeah, we didn't get anything to finish the story, which was really sad. So I'm glad that they're getting to continue expanding the world of cyberpunk. Mm -hmm. It shows the reason I even got into it. Man, I traded games for a while. Um, Yeah, no, it's, it's exciting to see more content coming out for it. It's exciting to see that they didn't give up on it, which a lot of game studios would do. Um, especially considering how rocky the launch was and how much they suffered. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm not trying to paint them as like martyrs or anything like that. Cause they definitely, a lot of that they did themselves, but like, it's nice to see it actually come to where it should be. I think so yeah, more content. I'm here. And they gave me rogues haircut. They did. <laughs> yeah. I was right there. That's the original. That's the 2020 rogue haircut that they mm-hmm. made. Be. There were like 50 hairstyles now. I haven't seen what the male hairstyles look like because I mean, I'm not playing male V with you nuts. Uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I, I'm really happy with this patch and what they're doing, but that does take care of news for once. We've got about a little bit more than tw- less than 20 minutes to go. So we actually can answer some questions. Uh, if you've got a question for the podcast, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with a subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. Um, if you, however, don't want to use email and you'd rather use our Discord, we have two channels there you can hit up. If you're a patron, you can use the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel. Um, we, we look there first because you guys pay the bills, and that's really nice of you because otherwise I would probably have to be writing you know stories about toilet repair, and I don't know anything about toilet repair, so they would be bad articles. No, um, Or you can go to the Q and Podcast Questions channels because we do understand not everybody can support my goal of not having to write about toilets. Um, no, seriously, we do we do understand it. The world is crazy. Life is hard. Money is constantly being demanded for a billion things. So if you can support us, we love it. If you can't, we still want to hear from you and get your questions and so forth. Uh, every week, I try to come up with a new mechanism for this. Uh, last time I tried dice rolling, I think the time before that, I just <laughs> read something. This time, I'm just going to say Liz. Okay. Our first question is from Tetsimi. What is your hope with the Dragonflight HUD and UE redesign? If you aren't rating PvP Mythic Plusing, what type of add-ons do you think will still be wanted? Um, honestly, the Dragonflight UE redesign, it really meets most of my expectations. It does a bunch of things right and just, you know, kind of cleans up the UE and basically lets you do what you want. You can move stuff here, you can move stuff there. You can make things bigger. You can make things smaller. 
And uh, every patch they've done so far to the alpha, and hopefully now the beta, has added like a few tweaks, a few more things you can move around and change. And I am here for it. I think it is great. Um, add-ons, I'm not sure. I think if you aren't raiding PvP Mythic Plusing, I think you may be able to just get by without add-ons, because most of the additional add-ons I can think of are really to support higher-end play that you're likely to get into if you're doing raiding and Mythic Plus. What do y'all think? I mean, auction-type stuff is always going to be necessary. Uh, they've changed the auction UI in the game, and it doesn't make the, it doesn't change the fact that some program that allows you to automate the auction experience is going to be necessary. There's going to be some add-on that does that. So that would be my statement on that. As far as the UI, I like the fact that it now it almost has like a bartender like level of moving stuff around. Like you can move your action bars any old where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, that was the biggest thing that they added that I was really excited about was uh, essentially move. Anything was one of those mods that was like a must have for me for over a decade at this point where being able to literally take any option in the UI and move it wherever I want or hide it as I want uh, is there. The only thing that I think is still not quite one-to-one, but it's really, really close, is how they're doing the bars in the UI now. Um, Bartender still does a couple tricks that the UI doesn't do yet. I think it's only a matter of time. And currently that trick is uh, the scalability has more options in Bartender and the option to hide certain uh, bars like not completely have them off the screen, but have them change opacity so that when you're not in combat or hovering over them, they basically aren't there, but they're just there enough that you can click on them or see them or know them when they're, when they're there. So when they pop back in, it's not as jarring uh, because I think the default UI has it where you can hide certain bars when you're not in combat, but it doesn't always work, uh, which, you know, that's a thing. So until that gets sorted, bartender's still up there, and the raid unit frames, I still think if you are a healer, uh, condensing that information into a nice package, it's getting better, and they've continued to improve that. It is still not where I would like it to be, so until they get it there, I'm still going to be using grid, uh, because I can customize it and put like buffs and debuffs and at-a-glance stuff where I need it on a very small package uh, and not have to worry about, you know, the default UI kind of being a little clunky in that regard still. So it's close. It's real close. But that's one of the things that you're more likely to run into if you're doing rating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think probably the best thing about it is, you know, kind of the average player who logs on and levels and enjoys the story they will have easy access to the same tools that mm-hmm. a lot of other players do. The more serious players who, you know, play all the time and have tons of add-ons. But now those tools are going to be easily accessible to everyone because there are people out there who play without add-ons who just jump into the game and they miss out on a lot of things that make the game easier to play or let them customize things more. And now they'll just be able to do that if they want to. And kind of, it brings kind of a different baseline to the game, if that makes sense. Yep, it does. I just always like to say yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, Joe, you anything else? Uh, or should we move on to the next one? No, I think that's really it for, for UI stuff. I mean, it's still a work in progress. And I just, 
with what they've shown us, I honestly just expect it to continue to get better. All right. Well, you're up reading the next one. All right. This one comes from the alternate universe, Liz. What is your favorite zone from Dragonflight testing thus far? And what are some non-spoiler highlights? Alternatively, tell me your thoughts on Pally getting a B-Res. Um, I have already shared my thoughts on Pally getting a B-Res. Thumbs up for me. Uh, I think it's good to have tools and options. As far as my favorite zone so far from Dragonflight, honestly, it's the Drakthir starting zone. I think it has the most interesting lore nuggets uh, right now. That's going to change. It's it's going to change. But as of right now, uh, that's where it is. And there's some very interesting connotations for timeline and timing. So that's my that's my pick. Off to you guys. Honestly, um, I really liked. You already mentioned the uh, the Drakthir starting zone. I feel like they're all pretty cool zones. But I like Thaldrissas. I and I don't know how to pronounce it. Thaldrissas. <laughs> Valdrasses, I don't know, but I liked just as a city goes. Um, I really like it. I think it's a cool looking city, and the area around it is really pretty cool. Um, just it is, it's really it harkens back uh, to both Boralis and um, Zoldazar, but in different ways. If that makes sense, like, but it it feels like a place that has elements of both inside of it. Mm-hmm. Which is good because I think both had their their charms. Uh, I I th- definitely found it's easier to get around than than Zoldazar was, um, but it's still it just it really feels like a dragon city. It feels like a city dragons would have lived in. I'm I'm actually really impressed with it. Uh, so I I think that's going to be mine for now. I, I like it as a hub as hub hub area. I think it's pretty cool. See, I just I I'm afraid I have no particular opinion on this. I mean, I like them all. Is there one that I I can't think? There's one I like super love more than the rest. I also haven't gotten enough as much time as I would like to play through this. You know, I would I would love to spend more time and go through everything. But man, it is hard to find time to do everything. One thing I particularly need to do is play through the Drakthir starting zone because I was playing in the alpha before there was a Drakthir starting zone. And so you would just roll a Drakthir and it would throw you out into whatever zone. and I found Drakthir really confusing to play, <laughs> and I was not very good at it. I made an attempt, and I wasn't very good at it, and I have not gone back. I am told that the starting experience actually does a lot to kind of help introduce mm-hmm. you to everything, which, you know, that was the advantage of the Death Knight starting experience. And the Demon Hunter starting experience was that they could d- introduce things one at a time. And, and not months. having done that, yeah, and not having done that, very confusing. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't have an opinion here, but I definitely need to play through the track there starting. So I've only heard good things. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully that answers your question. Um, that means now we toss it over to Liz. Ah, more questions. It's been weeks since we've answered this many questions. I know. Oh, <laughs> there's been so much going on. Okay. From speed Lancer. Coming back to the game after a year, I am aware of the ability to convert in-game gear to tier pieces, and I am convinced I won't have much opportunity to use it before Dragonflight launches. My question, has there been any indication it will become unavailable after Dragonflight launch? I imagine it could be used to collect tier for transmog later on when we can overpower the content to some degree. Uh, Straight up, I haven't heard anything about this going away, and also I have... I have been using it purely to collect transmog because I have plenty of gear right now, but 
I don't have every single transmog appearance. And if you get a piece of gear, you can go to the to the creation catalyst forge something. You can go to the place that does the thing creation and turn it into yeah. turn it into a piece with a different appearance. And uh, since this is all a big game of dress up, that that is what I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled to collect new transmog appearances just by going to this thing inserting a piece of gear and clicking a button. Also, I'm pretty sure the only change that they've made on the beta right now is that they've turned off your covenant and so forth outside of Shadowlands. Yes. So your covenant and your soul bind and all that, that's been changed so it doesn't work on any other content. Like you can't go into like regular Azeroth and still use his ability. Um, but otherwise they haven't they haven't said anything about the 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 Zareth Mortis stuff the- going away. The thing I want to point out, though, too, uh, Speed Lancer, is it's worth working your way through it if you're coming back, uh, if nothing more for the transmog, because you don't have to overpower the content to get stuff that you can turn into the tier pieces. Anything you purchase from any the the like the sand uh, sand worn relics, um, pieces that drop from like specific uh, in Zareth Mortis can be converted into those tier pieces. Um, based off of eye level and whatever, you get the the different colors. So it's worth doing and worth making your way through it. And then you don't have to wait for you to be able to overpower it. You can literally just do the content, make your way through it, and get your get your gear. It's really really nice. Yeah, I don't think this is super super terrible content to go through. Um, like you can do as as Joe said, the sandworm gear that you'll collect as you go through Zareth Mortis. And uh, you could do LFR and turn that into gear. Uh, it's not that bad. It is not that bad to unlock and collect pretty good gear at this point. Also, I thought I heard that you could run normal level Karazhan and yes. change it in the creation catalyst. Yes. And it's not, that's not something that's going to turn a piece of low level normal Karazhan gear into like top tier rating gear. It'll keep its item level, but you get the appearance. And as I've said, the appearance is all that really matters in the end, right? I mean, yeah, Agreed. it's the ultimate end game. <laughs> right, I guess that means I'm, I'm up unless you have anything else to add. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this one comes from Felina. Uh, it's originally for the queue, but Matt stole it for this one. No, no, that was an accident. I meant to get the next one. Not that oh, one. okay. Well, sorry, <laughs> Felina. It'll be answered in the queue. Uh, this one comes from a person. Question for the queue or the podcast or wherever it bets fits. Uh, does the current Blizz beta invite system give those invited to the beta a leg up on being able to raid as an evoker in the first tier? Given the new wave that went out yesterday and the date when the pre-patch is rumored to happen, that nearly two-month window would seemingly influence how much hands-on experience some people get with the class, which seems like it would give invitees an advantage in the first tier. Um, yes, no. So it kind of complicated because the, the thing with betas is not all content is available at all times. Uh, raid testing generally is one or two bosses at a time, uh, and your composition will be varied very, very large uh, from like what it is on the beta versus live as people aren't necessarily going to be playing their real characters or their, their main characters. You're going to have an overabundance of Drac fear because it's the new thing. Uh, I've already seen this in some group content where it's, you know, four Venthyr and a warrior or four uh, Drac fear and a warrior. Um, so like 
there is maybe a little truth to it that there might have a little bit of a leg up, but it's nothing that's going to matter in the long run. If anything, the people that are going to be diving that hard into it are contributing to things like class discords or websites like ours, um, where they're going to be, you know, giving you as much of a lowdown as they can. And then when actual content releases, when you're actually going through it and leveling through it and then hitting that first tier organically, you're not going to be so far behind or those players are not going to have so much of an advantage over you that it'll make much of an appreciable uh, difference in my opinion. And that is just my opinion. What do you both think? I mean, I agree with you. And the other thing is on a beta, you are not necessarily playing with the final talent arrangement or the final balance level. Mm -hmm. So, and sometimes you can get a lot of changes from beta to live. So we saw that with Shadowlands. There's, Yeah, I think there's enough that can change between beta and live. It's like, okay, they're getting an early look. Yes, but, you know, their experience could change. And as Joe was saying, class composition in groups in beta is really weird because you have so many Drakthir, so many people want to try the new hotness. So it's not representative of the final experience. And yeah, some of that knowledge is going to transfer but not so much that you can't catch up and probably catch up pretty quickly as you play through the live game with the final finished version of Drak there. Mm-hmm. And I'd actually say you might be better off if you've never played in the beta because you won't learn things that are later incorrect when they change. I know I really get into like muscle memory and it's like I... I learn how things work. And then when something changes, I really have to like retrain myself. So I think you have advantages and I think you have different advantages if you were playing in the beta and different advantages if you aren't playing in the beta, but I don't think it's going to be a huge unbalance. Yeah. I, I, the second thing Liz said is something I was going to say as well. Um, just from my own experience doing betas, uh, I, I'm going to use uh, the wrath of the Lich King beta as an example. When I was in that beta, I played a lot of death Knight. Like I played, I think I had three different death knights for every you know spec. So I like so I'd have a character for every spec, and I could do without having to switch it around. And the the demo the the starter experience really changed over the course of that beta. And the the talents and keep in mind that the talent tree at the time was the the one we saw the original talent tree just expanded out to wrath levels where like you could get forty five or so points in a in a tree. By the time that wrath actually came out. I no had no idea anymore. What, what did what did this corpse explosion still exist? Can I do that? Oh no, it's no, it's gone. Oh no, it's back. Okay. It's back. Like that kind of thing. There, there is a big problem there. The other thing is this. And I think this is a really important thing to keep in mind. Leveling in a class when the class has gone live and is in its quote unquote final form, or at least it's form for, you know, a couple patches and you know, it's not going to change drastically. Like they're not going to suddenly add whole new talent once the once the game goes live. That's it. They're not going to throw in whole new talents unless they absolutely have to. Yeah, I don't know. They've done it before. Yeah, but not very often. Just that once it's in a relatively finalized state, you're going to have at least a patch with it. Yeah, you're going to have enough time as you're leveling up. You will be learning how to play it. That's that's kind of one of the things about leveling up. The thing that I like about leveling is that it teaches you how to play the class. And plus the the starting area, like there, like Liz just pointed out, and like I've gone through the the Drakthir starting experience, 
it is really geared towards teaching you what your abilities do in a way that feels good uh, and sort of like helps you get that muscle memory. They're going to fine tune that for live, right? Like as it's already changed since it's been released. It's going to continue to evolve till it gets to a point where, you know, if, if somebody played it three months in advance and you played it now, you're still going to have that same, like get out of that experience and have the same basic tools. So like they're, they're setting you up for success. It is not, it is, they're definitely not, not just catering to the folks that get the beta access. And I don't think there's the gulf isn't as large as it could have been or that, or as big as we've seen in the past, like had this been 10 years ago, I think you might've had a case, but they've, they've been pretty cognizant of that for the last several expansions. Yeah. And in general, I don't feel like the playing in a direct there on the, uh, the beta slash the alpha before on the beta. Now it's, it's, like what Liz said about these are people who are going to end up writing about this and telling other people how to do it. And you get to get that experience without having to go through all the, uh, Oh God, I, I messed this up or, Oh no, this has changed now. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be that big, a, but uh, do we have time for one more question or are we done? I can good for one more. If you guys are. Uh, yeah, this is kind of the end of my time availability. Is it, is it my turn again? Yeah. So we'll, uh, this is actually a pretty big question, but I mean, if you, it's up to you, since you, it is the end of your time of availability. Ah, uh, okay. Well, this is also kind of lore-heavy, so I can just, I could just walk away and let you answer it. Anyway, from Verdigree, I do feel keenly the absence of the justification for the events of Season 4. Did the Nassler Zeem actually get time travel? Or even stranger, they don't have time travel, and we're just Kool-Aid Man-style smashing through timelines without any bronze guidance literally without any regard to causality, just for coin. If the Nathrazim have time-traveled, I want a story about it, considering the foreknowledge of the Automa, the Oracles, and the First Ones. And was Denathrius taken back somewhere? Will we follow him to a time warp on the planet of Narthzera, Narthreza? He got two from Karazhan. Did he take the Mechagon route to enter the void via Nihilotha, seeing as he's all about shadow? Was the door to Gorgrond for Denathrius to feast upon the wellspring of, of vitality of the Batani and the Everbloom? Then did he sneak through the Karen Tor's Stormwind portal? Um, Pete to yourself, it's just a game. I should really <laughs> just relax. <laughs> I mean, this is like funny and interesting, but I really think Matt hit it on the head here. And this is a game and we're going smashy, smashy. It's the end of expansion. Let's have fun smashing everything. Woohoo! Yeah, like they've been doing, they've been doing mythic plus that were from previous expansions for a bit. Now we've done time walking for a bit now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Just, just, you know, just go raid some mythics, man. It, it's that's all it's. it's it's not going to have a justification. They're not going to do an epic Denathrius storyline to explain this. They're working on Dragonflight. Although I wouldn't mind a Denathrius uh, tie up at some point. I yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'd be fine with like you know at the end of something we like pull a mask off of the, you know the end boss or something. And, <gasps> it was Denathrius all along? Yeah, and I would have gotten away with it too for a few meddling mortals. <laughs> you know, that's fine, but I don't think it's I don't think it is very likely for there to be more story. Agreed. I don't have much else to add to it. So, but, I mean, you know, if you, you vote for best disguise for Denathrius to get unmasked by meddling kids, I mean, that'd be fine. I, it's just going to be a giant I, mustache, right? <laughs> I, I do love all of these kind of alternate stories that are possible by looking at these in 
maybe a little more depth than we should. Honestly, doesn't it sound like a Hearthstone expansion? It could be. I mean, we are currently in a Hearthstone expansion that is set in the Shadowlands in which Sire Denathrius gets murdered and a murloc named Murloc Holmes investigates his death. That is a literal thing that's happening in Shadowlands. In, uh, <laughs> not in Shadowlands, in Hearthstone. So it's it's fun to get to play with these alternate ideas, but I really think that's all this is, is just kind of, let's smash things and have fun. It's the end of the expansion. Why not? Agreed. All right. Well, unless there's anything else to add, I'm just going to do my spiel now. <laughs> Spiel away. All right. Well, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast. A better tip at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue and an ads free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, okay. Again, guys, if you happen to have a question for the show, because like Liz pointed out, we just did like four. That's a pretty it's big amazing. Deal yeah. Um, you can send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard Watch if you want to do the email route. And if you'd rather do Discord, we've got two current two channels on our Discord, uh, the Patreon Q and Podcast Questions channel and the Q and Podcast Questions channel for all your podcast question asking needs. Uh, thank you guys for being here and listening to us. Thank you, of course, to Joe and Liz for being here and keeping me as on track as is possible to do. Uh, this has been the Blizzard Watch Podcast. Thank you guys very much, and we'll be back next week. 